Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. It was an all-time Philly sports weekend. Let's get into it. Kevin Kincaid is here with me. Nick Kinker, Kinker, you've been alive for 37 of the best years this world has ever seen. Is this the greatest Philadelphia sports weekend of your lifetime? Uh, actually, it's 38, but I appreciate it. I don't even know if people if people know I turned a year older. But uh, hey, yeah. happy birthday, man! How you belated? <laughs> Thank you. But uh, if if not the best, then yeah, it's it's at the top for sure. I mean, shit! I don't even have any more ban- any more bandwidth for what's going on. It continues into this week. We've got the NLCS game one tonight. We've got the Sixers. Season opener today, the undefeated Flyers. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah, everybody out there, hug your fellow yeah. blogger. You don't know what they're going through right now with yeah. all this winning. We're winning too much. Got a sick kid at home, too, so we're dealing with that. I don't even know what she's doing right now. If somebody, if you see somebody open the door and walk in here, that's my daughter. Um, so <laughs> we're just winging it here. We're, see, we're seeing what's going on, you know. But, I mean, holy cow, man. I it, Dude, it's crazy. Anything, you know, you and I were on a blog, blog post, uh, city this weekend man just throwing any any philly stuff you throw up on the site man people are just gobbling it up i mean people are are they're just all about it man it's awesome it's awesome to see this kind of run see those dudes show up at xfinity i mean holy crap yeah i mean dudes are getting their the dudes are getting their are their arms signed by alec bohm and brandon marsh and i love alec bohm and i love brandon marsh and then getting it tattooed on them i mean it's like it's not like it's bryce harper or cole hamels or ryan howard but like that's how much this the city is the phillies mean to this city i mean they go and they party at xfinity live after the game which had to be awesome could you imagine just like sitting there having a couple cold ones you turn around bryce harper is going nuts on the vip floor i mean just regular dudes, man. Yeah, regular just, dudes, you know? And that's the best part about it. I feel like yeah. baseball players, I feel like hockey players are like that. They're just regular dudes who just want to go out. And um, then you have, you know, fans running on the field out of the tunnel with the Eagles and stuff not being <laughs> caught because people think it's a Make-A-Wish Foundation or people think it's one of the auction experiences they auctioned off the Eagles uh, yeah. from yeah. from a couple months back and whatnot. And it's just, it, it was a very drunk, a very um, compelling and a... A, a, an insatiable desirable weekend that made no fucking sense but it was just a, it was a weekend filled with a bunch of winning so i guess we should well, you, probably I mean, you were down there you were you so yeah. you were you were filming after you were filming saturday after the mm-hmm. nlds win uh, i guess the video went out today i mean what, yeah what was it like down there like what was the scene like it's it's awesome because you can just stick a mic in anybody's face and they'll just like tell you everything that's like coming off the top of their their dome uh sometimes good most of the time's good sometimes it's like what the hell was that and they just look at you and run away um i have never seen it like that after an eagles win since i've been doing this in the last year and definitely after a phillies win after a sixers win the craziest i ever saw it was after game seven of the atlanta Hawks series when ben simmons was basically gone forever um that was probably the second craziest i mean i it's not in the video because I didn't do a good job, but Avante Maddox and Dallas Goddard like were one of the first people out, and yeah. I'm like trying to talk to them, and I, it was like one of my first interviews. You know, I need I need I need to warm up a little bit. Uh, just totally botched those interviews. Then we see the Philadelphia 76ers six man. You know, Joel Embiid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Joel Embiid was there. Uh, Tyrese Maxey was there. Uh, I think Tobias Harris was there. A lot of the a lot of the Sixers. Sirianni was there on Friday. Like it's it's really cool because like these guys. Not only are the fans getting into it, but like the Philly athletes around the area are also getting into it. I think uh, Bedoya might have been there. Um, yeah, if I'm not wrong. 
Yeah, so, like, it's cool. Everybody's all, getting into it. And they all support each other too. You know, like we threw the video up on the website. Here's a good example of like you just throw some stuff up on the site because you think it's like a cool little quirky little thing, like the uh you know, the video of them showing the the final out, I guess, at uh Wells Fargo Center when the um you know the Flyers Canucks game was going on and the crowd cheering and whatever. Those are good visuals, you know. But like a ton of people clicked on that and read it and like Facebook reactions and comments. I think people just dig when the teams all support each other, you know, and they do. I mean, it's it's funny because we make the joke about, you know, who are the celebrities at the uh, the Eagles games, right, or the Sixers mm-hmm. games? It's, mo- it's mostly like other Philly athletes, you know, yeah. like it's James Harden showing up at the Eagles game, Mike Trout, you know, um, Joel Embiid, you know, at different places, you know, but they all they all just love sports and they support each other, you know. And then there are pictures also. Think on Instagram the other day of the union guys going over just the Sixers training, you know, standing there with Doc Rivers and, and Joel. And it's all it's all like reciprocated, man. They all they all love it. And uh I don't know, I'll have to like do the research and ask, but it, it can't be that often that number one, that the four for four teams are all still alive and playing at the same time. Okay, so we know that the the Sixers and the Flyers and the Eagle seasons overlapped, but mm-hmm. how many times have the in the past 10 years have the Phillies still been active at this point? It hasn't it's happened. 2011. Yeah. It's been at least 10 years, right? If you want to go a step further and put the union in there too and say you're going to have the five main teams all active, two of them in the playoffs, one of them undefeated, uh two of them undefeated, technically the Flyers and the Eagles and then the Sixers who haven't even started yet, projected top 4 finish in the East. In any case, this is like this could be quite possibly the most anticipated we- a week in Philly sports ever. I mean, depending like what teams you prefer or whatever. Yeah, here's Joel Embiid at the. I mean, you think about. It, I mean, today we got the NLCS. We have the yeah. Sixers home opener. We have the Flyers yeah. playing today. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if there was another week? Where like thank God that thank God the Eagles are off for Sunday. No, I know. Yeah, so you get so right. So you get the Flyers. So seven o'clock tonight, you get the Flyers. Then you get the the Sixers home opener or season opener at Boston, a, ri- a rivalry game. Then you've got the NLCS game one. Tomorrow you've got NLCS game two. There's a break in that Thursday. Then the Sixers come back for the home opener, and the Union play their uh, conference semifinal playoff game too. And then the 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 day after that, the NLCS comes back to Philly, and then NLCS in Philly again for Game Four on Saturday. I mean, like it's it's an insane run. I don't. I, it's just like I, I I feel like that dude in the meme, the spinning guy, the guy who's spinning like this is like how how we keep up with this shit. You're just like flinging stuff up on the website and it's doing well. But I, I'm just I'm happy for the fans, man. Because it's it's just enjoyable. I'm oh, it's like, the best. Dude. Nobody wins like Philadelphia wins because we will we will yeah. win. And then we will tell you about it and we will steal yeah. your chance. And then we will go and we will we will we will dance on your grave. I mean, ta- yeah. taking the tomahawk chop was just reminiscent of taking the skull uh, from from Minnesota back in the day, <laughs> uh, which is is awesome. Um, Phillies fans, I never expected it to be. This insane where it would actually kind of go toe to toe with the Eagles in terms of like excitement at this time, which is crazy. Yeah. Cause especially when you're looking yeah. at a five and O Eagles team now six and O yeah. at the same time. I mean, we were getting, you were still getting your Eagles chance and stuff and blah, blah, blah. After the Phillies won the NLDS and everything. And, and Eagles fans did. There you yeah, go. There's a blown away Jeff. That's me. Um, That's me. <laughs> and Eagles fans were also like, they packed the hell 
out of that uh, out of that tailgate. Supposedly, it was one of the drunkest tailgates that, from people that were down there that they'd yeah. ever been a part of. And they were um, both against both of these wins, by the way, or the main like wins mm-hmm. were against ri- rivals. You know, excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, the Braves, division mm-hmm. rival, they beat a division rival. The Eagles beat the Cowboys. You know, it's it's not like it was. Uh, you know, the Phillies tri- triumphing over picking an NL Milwaukee. team that nobody cares about. Yeah, Mel- Milwaukee or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, these were like big, meaningful games. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later, but the the complaining coming so, yeah, out of... Do it now. Yeah, okay. So so you did the story on this, but the complaining coming out of Dallas and coming out of just... just it, not just Atlanta, but like baseball media baseball, at large. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand why people are complaining so much about the the postseason format and the the lower seeds winning because, um, th- this this happened just last year. It, <laughs> it happened, did. It happened it just did. last year. Where was everybody complaining about the 2001 Mariners when they won 110 games, or the 2011 Phillies when they won 102 games? Yeah. I mean, or if you wanted to have, if you wanted to have like a serious, like major complaint about the system, look at the fact that last year in the NL West. The Giants won 107 and the mm-hmm. Dodgers won 106. And so the one, 106, I, I think that's what the numbers were. They were both 100-win teams. And the Dodgers had to beat the Cardinals in a one-game wild card round. And then they had to go play a division rival, two 100-win teams playing in the second round, play, playing in the divisional series. Gabe Kapler, manager of the year in the NL, you know, loses to his 107-win team, loses to a 106-win team, mm-hmm. you know. And, and on the other side, too, I guess Tampa was the one seed. They lost to Boston, right? I'm trying to all remember it all in my head. The Braves were of eighty, or were a were the third had the yeah they were eighty the East, yeah, but they had the third third best record. So it's like, I mean, the people who were crying about all of that um, this year should have been crying about that last year. It I happens don't... every single year. Yeah, yeah. The Cardinals beat the hundred two win Phillies and rode it to uh, to a World Series. Yeah, and um, Dave mentions too the the Pirates had that really really good year in 2015. They won 98 games, and then they lost. Yeah, here it is. They lost in the wild card. Right, this is when the Pirates had that stretch with like uh, Prime McCutcheon. Here, they lost two wild cards in a row, and they lost three to two in an NLDS. You if know? anything, they made it better this year because remember when they had that one wild card game. And that would decide who would play. That was stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So now you give these guys an advantage. You give the Cardinals an advantage. You give them three games and you give them all in their home stadium to beat the the third wildcard team. This yeah, everything is stacked up for the teams that are good. You have you have Ranger Suarez going in Cy Young candidate Max Fried in the first game, and Max Fried gives up set or gives up like uh six runs, seven runs. And it's just like, what are you talking about? We were we were at the end of our bullpen. Yes, you, you know what this reminds me of, really. To be to be quite honest, is so you got the five and the six seed playing in the NLCS this year. It, it's funny that the Phillies make it this far and they still don't get home field, you know, because they <laughs> they couldn't, you know. But it really reminds me of when the Flyers went to the Cup in 2010, you know, and they got Montreal in that seven eight game, you know, after they came back and beat uh, the Bruins, but. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what the complaint is because the playoffs have given you tons of examples of this over the year of of higher seeds advancing and lower seeds losing, and that's just the the nature of the the randomness of it and a, and a long season where 
teams get hot, teams get cold. And if you get hot at the right time, like the Phillies are, then you go on a run. I don't, I don't think this is anything new, right? You know, and we had the lockout and this is the playoff system that they agreed to. I don't, I don't think that you, I don't think that anybody in their right mind can say that going from the one game wild card, the ridiculous one game wild card to what we have this year was a step backwards, you know, cause you've got plenty of examples of, of what people are complaining about now of that ha- ha- happening, you know, plenty of times in the past in all sports, in all sports, you know, so I don't, I don't really know what the complaint is. If you're going to try to forward the story, like advance the story, come up with a solution here. This is the one thing that I like about MLS that they do differently that the other leagues don't do, which is they hand out a regular season trophy for the best record, right? Mm-hmm. So you win the supporter shield if you have the best record, and then you get another trophy based on what happens in the playoffs, you know? You would need to balance the schedule. It's kind of impossible to do in in most sports, but you could do it in hockey and basketball and baseball. If you're going to play 162, what you do is balance the schedule. Each team plays a three-game series. This is just me to spitball off the top of my head now. It, well, they do, Yes, Russ is right. They have the President's Trophy in hockey, but nobody takes the President's Trophy seriously. Do they take right? the Supporters' Trophy seriously? Because I don't think they would in like baseball. They do take the Supporters' Shield seriously because it's a little – it's just ingrained in soccer culture, but say you had baseball, right? Every team plays every other team home and away in a four game series, right? Perfectly balanced schedule. The team with the best record in all of that wins a regular season trophy at the end of the year. In addition, you do the seeding and you go and play in the playoffs like you're doing now. Mm-hmm. That way, who had the best record in baseball this year? You know, they get a trophy and they get awarded for their regular season achievement, which is what people are complaining about now. But then you go ahead and you have playoffs at the same time, you know. So that's my opinion. It's like if you don't like one or the other, do let's do both, you know, and just hand out something. I think that would probably remedy, the, you know, that would remedy the complaint that a lot of people are having right now. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think it would in American sports. I think with the Europa and with the FA Cup, and like you said, it's ingrained in uh, in MLS. It's like not an American sport. thing. Yeah, I mean, people would have to get used to that. I'm just trying to think of a fair way to do it. If people wanted, like again, I'll use. Like these teams this year, if people wanted the Dodgers and the Braves and all them to be rewarded for what they did in the regular season, go to a balance schedule and hand out like a, the President's Trophy or the Supporters Shield of Major League Baseball, you know, and then you can do the playoffs anyway. So cool. Uh, the Dodgers can have their Supporters Shield and they can spend a day with it like they do the the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. but um, the only thing I would say that I would change in the baseball playoffs, there was one thing that I liked and it was Buster Olney. And he said, let the two top seeds to. Uh, let the top seed decide on what they want to do. They'll always take the buy. They will always take the buy. And that was one thing another another people were bitching about was like, well, it rust over rest. Again, you're you're yeah. you're resting at, at the most important time that you're resting. It's not it's not the Phillies' fault that the that Austin Riley, who they just paid 175 million dollars, didn't show up. That he got pushed back in the lineup for pudgy uh, yeah. Travis Darnode. Um, and also the guy who they just gave 75 million, Max Strider, threw him out there with an oblique injury, and he ended up. Uh, Spencer Strider, Spencer Strider, yeah. yeah, and just and just imploded. But the thing that I liked about with Buster Olney was, I think uh, if you would let the the Dodgers pick and the Astros pick who they wanted to play. So if they wanted to play uh, the winner of the Cardinals Phillies, which I was I was very surprised. That's one thing I do think baseball got wrong. It makes no sense for the fifth seed Dodgers or for the fifth seed Padres to play the one seed Dodgers when there's a sixth seed. It, everything should always be reseeded in my mind. Yeah, um, reseeding. Yeah. In yeah. in in the NFL playoffs, correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't matter if you win the division, right? You're or do you still get the top four seeds? 
uh, you're saying that you're saying this year? No, for for the NFL, do they do they seed it by seeds? No, the NBA seeds it by seeds. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. You're talking. Yeah. So the NBA. Right. So I think I yeah. think baseball should do it the way the NBA does it. So mm-hmm. then it also goes with your point about the Dodgers and the Giants, where it was like, hey, Dodgers one one hundred and seven win uh, Giants shouldn't be playing one hundred and six win Dodgers last year. Well, because there's no and there's no buy. Yeah, and the NBA doesn't yeah. have buys. And the and Giants should be the one seed. Yeah. Dodgers should be the two seed and they should yeah. meet in, in the, the, NFL does the, the NFL does the reseeding, right? Mm-hmm. So that you're not, so you're not getting like a number so that, right. If the bottom seed advances, like you don't have a, a Dodgers Padres and Phillies Braves yeah. situation like I do now. Cause, cause what it should have been, right. Like you're saying, it's like the Dodgers had the number one seed. So why do they have to play the, the five instead of the six, right? It doesn't make any sense. Like reseeding makes a lot of sense in, in most cases. I, you know, so. I don't. I mean, divisions don't make sense. They don't. They don't make sense in the NBA. No one cares about division or division rivalries. NFL is great yeah. with divisions. Yeah. Uh, MLB is pretty good with divisions, and hockey is pretty good with divisions too. But I don't really care about divisions. So, like, if they wanted to like do it like they do the uh, the NBA playoffs, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think it's too. Yeah, because because I don't. I think you run into situations plenty of time. You could even look at the New York Mets this year. You know, I mean, I'll defend the Mets on this. Like. When, you know, the NL Central is shitty, you know, and you have the Cardinals and the Brewers kind of, the, the Brewers don't really want it. The Mets by far were were better than, you know, a bunch of these other teams, but because of the way that it shakes out and you have three good teams in one division and the way that it it's the, the um, you know, the way that the, the end of the season played out, you know, they ended up having to play in the wild card round and it's like, all right, you know. I, I just wish there was – I'm with you. I don't really care so much about uh, – I like the division rival games. I like playing the Mets and the Braves and whatever. But, you know, I, I think it it gives you these situations more often than not where you have a Mets this year. You have like a Dodgers-Giants last year. I don't I don't think that's good for, for baseball, you know, so. No, you want your best teams in there. You want your teams with the biggest star power in there as well. It, it does yeah. suck for baseball that Padres yeah. and Phillies are going to be in – in the NLCS, it's just not a it's not a huge draw. You don't have your Freddie Freeman, yeah. your Mookie Betts, your, you know, your uh, no, your Matt no. Olsons, uh no. in there. But I, I mean, you, you, got, the, you, and you went out of the Yankees in the other side. So like that, would, <laughs> I know. Do you, <laughs> you imagine Houston, Cleveland in the AL? Like who's getting up for that? But do you have baseball, in for that? baseball neutral? Is, so if you're like a baseball neutral and you look at the series and you got Bryce Harper and you got Juan Soto and you have. Manny Machado. Manny Machado. I mean, I, I guess there's enough star power in there to to sell it. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if, if I don't. I don't think people were hoping for this as opposed to like Braves Dodgers. You know, Kev, I mean, name one Cleveland Guardian. Shane Justin Bieber. There you <laughs> as go. Uh, Bob Costas would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shane Bieber and Quan too. Not Quan Alexander, but uh, the other Quan. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, it's crazy. Too. And Yankees fans booing Aaron Judge after he struck out seven times in a row to begin, to begin that series. You know, well, that happened <laughs> um, here. Yeah, happen here. it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I don't, you know, not as many excuses from the baseball people as the Cowboys people, though. You know, so many. Before we get into the Cowboys stuff, did you see the ticket stuff for this for the Phils? The ticket stuff for the Phils, like people trying to get NLCS tickets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, looked, looked like, like that was, was like, an absolute shit show. Looked like it was worse than trying to get Bruce Springsteen tickets, you know, for the American tour. At least they weren't five thousand dollars, right? Five thousand. <laughs> yeah, the fair uh, ticket pricing system that Bruce Bruce is you. Yeah, not Michelle Kwan as no. uh, Rush Joyce. And sorry, the Kwan guy from the Guardians. I can't even remember his name. We'll get I, we'll get it on that if we can get we can get uh, it on that. 
You know, I couldn't name anybody on the Columbus Blue Jackets besides Jake Voracek when he was sniping Charlie O'Connor a couple uh, couple weeks ago on the Pico power play. <laughs> um, but the Cowboys fans, I'll steal a joke here from John Kincaid. They're moving the goalposts faster than Tennessee fans after the win against Alabama the other night. Uh, Scooter Magruder or whatever the I fuck. Hate Scooter Magruder. Um, I hate him. Yeah, annoying. You know, it's funny because they like they, you know, you flip flop back and forth with the stuff. It's like, well, Cooper Rush, blah, blah, blah. You know, nobody, you know, expects to do anything. And then he wins three games. It's like, oh, he may be the next thing. And then he has yeah. a shitty game against the Eagles. Oh, we never cared about Cooper Rush to begin with. It's yeah. Like, you know, you got to pick a lane and stay in it, you know. And then they're saying, like, well, you only won by nine, nine points against the Eagles. Well, the spread was like seven, wasn't yeah. it? So, <laughs> so we covered. covered. Yeah. We covered. Yeah. And, uh, while their left tackle missed some time, while their right tackle missed some time, while their yeah. starting safety missed significant time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't really know exactly what the complaint is there. Those are my least favorite kinds of fans who just say a bunch of shit on Twitter and then like they change change the parameters as soon as it it doesn't go their way. But like to be honest, man, I think that's probably how we all pictured you know that Cowboys Eagles game going, right? I think you, you know? had a 2017 when we talked to you on uh, on Thursday. Okay. So that was pretty close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't think that they were going to blow them out. You know, that's a really good Cowboys team. I just, my, my biggest thing was that I didn't feel like the Eagles defense was getting enough respect either. Because if you went and looked at their numbers across the board, they were just as good, if not better, than the Cowboys in most of those categories, you know. Whereas the Eagles clearly had the offensive advantage too. And they built up the lead. Uh, you had the drive at the end of the half there where they got the field goal off of it. And then the third quarter kind of went to shit. And, uh, you know, then they came back and they did what they've done in pretty much every game this year and put together just a marauding like fourth quarter drive where they they put it all together and they kind of put the game mostly out of reach and they come back with a big defensive play and that's it. You know, so I don't I don't think anybody should really be surprised by it, by how that went. And like there's, um, you know, they're they're six and oh, they've got some stuff to fix for sure. But, you know, they're the best team in the NFL right now. And as uh, Dave mentions here, they uh, pulled twenty two point two million viewers. Yeah, uh, most, most most watched Sunday night football game week six since 2015. So, um, nothing to be mad about. Nothing to be mad about right now in no. Philadelphia, which actually no. I guess makes for a very boring show, in my opinion. What do you think about the nickname Nasty Nick? No, I like Nasty Nate better from from Half Baked. It was funny. I stole. Cog- I'm just stealing jokes all week, but I'm giving people credit <laughs> for it when I use them because Cog Cogan had me laughing so hard, man. Like Dane the- Cook in the mid in the early 2000s. He's like he was looking. Uh, he's like Nick. <laughs> I think Nick Sirianni got so mad at the end of the game there that he turned yellow. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's looking a little like a uh, little jaundiced there. Like he does. He's not getting enough vitamin <laughs> vitamin C or something. You know. No, that's because Cog was watching it on YouTube TV. <laughs> <laughs> he got everything yeah. 20 seconds behind all of us live TV yeah. guys did. Sirianni looked yeah. like he was dealing with some uh, some scurvy there. I think he may have just been hung over from going to the Phillies game the, the day uh, the day that before. Is, that is true. I mean, that is the thing where like a lot of people were. So what do you think about the how about them Eagles? Like a lot of the Cowboys guys, as they should. And I feel like it would probably happen on this side as well uh, if, if there was some like shit talking by Mike McCarthy after the game. But. How do you feel about the how that how that how about them Eagles 
from Nick Sirianni. I love the passion. I don't care people what anyone were calling says. him out. Yeah, I mean, I, the reason that people were calling him out is because I think he said earlier in the week in one of the press conferences that they didn't really think too much about the rivalry. But that's so, all that's all lip I, service, right? Because the guy wore a beat Dallas shirt last year. He yeah. got so much shit for it after he lost. Even the yeah. players uh, talked about it leading up to the thing, and they were pretty good with their quotes and everything. But you knew back in the locker room mm-hmm. they were talking about it. And there was that whole video that came out this week where he like held up the shirt. And he was like, this was a dumb fucking move by me and threw it. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah and I don't – I don't. you know, you, you should want to get up for any – divisional game you want to get up for any game i mean that's the guy that's who the guy is i don't think anybody should be surprised about that people are always going to tell you stuff doesn't matter but they're thinking about it you know if i've learned anything in like you know however long i've been doing this it's that whenever somebody goes out of their way to tell you that they don't care about something or that they don't read something or whatever it means that they absolutely do you know (laughs) and the people who don't say anything they kind of ignore it you know but like you know, Brett Brown read like everything, every story, every article or whatever. Some coaches do it, some don't. But when somebody comes up to you and says, we don't read anything, we don't pay attention to everything. Carson Wentz. They're on their phone as soon as the game is over, you know. So, But I, I don't have a problem. I, you know, I don't have a problem with any of that at all. I thought they had a really good offensive game plan, to be quite honest. I mean, like you looked at how they attacked Micah Parsons and they just made him. It's like, okay, he's the focal point of their defense. He's probably the best defensive player they have. So let's go right at him by not blocking him and we're going to make him the read you know and they 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 killed him twice especially on that play where it's the the handoff dive mm-hmm. uh pre-snap motion aj brown coming back around and then you're going to run and read you know so it's like multiple uh read kind of stuff that's that's like jalen hurts alabama and oklahoma stuff they, they did a lot of that stuff on the goal line with him um yeah would you, you call know, it a, a college offense but a very good college offense it's a very good college offense. You know, they're letting him do things that are his his strengths, you know, and it's like, um, you know, those concepts of, of you know, pu- putting because here's what it is, Pagan. It's like when you talk about RPO and when you talk about zone read, anything where you're optioning off of somebody, you're putting the stress on the defensive player to make the decision. Right. So you, it's kind of like balls in your court. What are you going to do? You know, and that's what they did with Parsons on those plays. That's what they do with Demarcus Lawrence on a couple of them too, where it's like, it's not even really about what we want to do offensively. We're going to take what you give us. You know, if you're going to stay there, I'm going to hand the ball off. If you're going to come at me, I'm going to pull and throw. So that's all it is. It's just like really simple concepts, but they just executed them really well. I mean, if you go back and look at like, you know, the touchdown that they scored on the one, um, and then the the that was the second time they ran that play. The first time that play, I guess, it was on the third down or the fourth down, mm-hmm. fourth down where they moved the chains. That's what to do. Even the execution everywhere is perfect. Though Devontae Smith running like a perfect rub route, you know, on a on stuff that they've been flagged before in the past. You know, yeah. those illegal like wide receiver screens and whatnot. Um, Lane Johnson getting out and seal on the edge. I mean, they just like really executed that stuff perfectly. And um, you know, they weren't running the ball like they normally do. I don't think anybody really expected them to do. And they didn't put up a ton of yards of offense. I don't think anybody really ex- expected them. But, you know, I think they did what, what they had to do offensively. And um, I, didn't, I didn't really have any any problem with it at all, you know? Now, if you take a step back and you look at it, I mean, when Lane Johnson was in there, he completely neutralized Michael Parsons. And you also saw Michael Parsons get a lot of frustrated, like you were talking about on that, that play. You saw Trayvon Diggs getting frustrated. You saw Demarcus yeah. Lawrence getting absolutely blindsided. By by Jason Kelsey and everything, um, yeah. There's not really much you can you could say that like you could take away like in the moment you know in the moment like you know 
clammy hands, sweaty feet and everything because you're like, fuck, the Cowboys are coming back. They're only down 2017. But yeah. Man, they go off. A, they rattle off another seven plus minute drive in the fourth quarter to really take it to them. Like that's that's the kind of stuff that you love to see and you love to build on. And then you look at these other teams. You, I don't know if you watched Monday Night Football yesterday, but damn, those teams just aren't on the same level playing field as the Eagles right now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers. They're not on the same level playing field right now. It is the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and nobody else. If you look at, um, you know, what's interesting. Like if you look at what the Giants are doing, um, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are having like amazing offensive game plan and game design year, um, you know, seasons, right? And they're running like this crazy like jumbo shit, two two tight end and two running back formations, and like scheming up all this crazy stuff because they don't have as much talent as the Eagles do. When you have as much offensive talent as the Eagles do, you can run a more simple college offense and just kill guys with execution, just having better talent across the board. I mean, that's what Chip Kelly did for all those years. His Oregon teams, those playbooks had like 10 plays in them. It's just that he had Dennis Dixon and these other guys, and like he'd throw the ball in space and they'd throw bubble screens and like out athlete, you know, the the other um, team. You know, I mean, West Virginia, Rich Rodriguez, when we had Pat White and Steve Slayton and Owen Schmidt and Darius Raynaud, they would just run zone read like 75 times a game, but because they had the superior players, it was like it would work for them, you know? So the, the Eagles don't have to do what the giants have to do and do all this crazy scheming and stuff just because they execute it better. But, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting here is like Seth Joyner came out and complained after the first two drives, cause he thought they were throwing the ball too much, you know, your boy. And um, yeah, and I'm not going to turn it into another Seth Joyner thing. Cause then it would just make, <laughs> it would just mean that I'm negative and I'm buying into the same bullshit as everybody else. But you know, complaining about how many times they threw the ball, but there, there was a, there was, you know, a handful of RPO in there as well, especially in the first half. And like those plays are just going to go how the defense decides they're going to go. You know, if I called Pagan like 12 RPOs in a row, but Demarcus Lawrence just stood there waiting for Jalen Hurts or whatever, and he just handed the ball off 12 times in a row. Okay. Then will we be complaining that they didn't throw the ball? Like when RPO happens, it's not based on what the offense wants to do. It's what the defense wants to give you. So you can't really look at the pass run skew of what the Eagles are doing and put any kind of definitive, um, you have any kind of definitive talk about it, unless you're going to go back over the film and look at every single zone read and RPO and option kind of play that they ran and factor that into it, you know, because there's just so much going on there with, with reading and reacting and looking at the ends, and looking at Micah Parsons and Lawrence and seeing what they're giving you and just acting off of that, you know? What do you think of rugby scrum middle? Jalen Hurts might get his head yanked off. Yeah, man. They they they've it's been, been violent. Doing, they've been doing these crazy. Yeah, I mean that one where. Uh, are you thinking of the same play? I'm. Thinking I'm looking of, at it right now. Twenty seven jumped over the line, like right at the snap. He tried to pull. Try to. Uh, Pull okay. Troy Palomalu on the Cowboys. Not, not Van Der Esch. You're talking about one of the safeties jumped over. Well, the, the safeties jumped over, and I think Van Der Esch came over too after. The picture okay. you have on the blog right now is just the safety yeah. going over. Yeah. But like that that one got violent, and that one with all this like this new concussion protocol stuff is yeah. like kind of wearing to me. And I would I would love to know. I don't know if anyone's asked this yet, and, and or or they've even found out if the concussion protocols were still the old rules if Lane Johnson would have been ruled out on Sunday. Yeah, and I don't know if we ever figured out did anybody identify like what play that, that was where he came that's hard with linemen too, man, because they're just yeah, they're they're you know banging in the trenches yeah. on every play. They they showed a different wrinkle of the rugby middle thing too, where they actually lined up like it was um 
like victory formation, you know, with the two two flankers. Yeah, they gain well in Brown right behind him and Smith in the backfield too. Yeah, but they just snapped the ball <laughs> and they got lower than these uh, three Cowboys yeah. jumping over the pile or whatever. They got lower and they moved it. I mean, they they're just beastly on uh oh hell yeah short yards. I'll tell you the one thing that I did. Here's the like the one main gripe that I think I had after the game, and not you know, like you say whatever you want about the third quarter or whatever, right? We've kind of litigated that before, but. You know, when Trayvon Diggs had the penalty there at the end, he picked up, took his helmet off and slammed his helmet down into the end zone, moved him up closer um, to to go for two in that instance. And, like, I think that that was – the analytics would say you get that two-point conversion, you go up 11 with that much time remaining on the clock, that that was probably the right thing to do based on the analytics. So I don't think anybody had a real issue. I know I saw people saying – I didn't love the – I, I didn't love the call. I loved the right. balls. I didn't love the call. Correct. Right. Yeah. Because to what you were saying about, you know, short yardage and the rugby scrums and stuff like that, if you got closer, doesn't that suggest to you like, hey, let's just pound it in? Yeah. And maybe and maybe they and maybe Nick Sirianni saw how violent the last one was. It was like, you know what? We yeah. can't have this. We can't have my QB being in concussion protocol. Because the play um, call they ended up going with would have been more appropriate if they hadn't had that penalty in the first place. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you get the benefit of that, but then you don't capitalize it on it with the play call. And I think that was the one probably like offensive play calling thing I think that bothered me more more than more than anything else in that game, you know. But no complaints otherwise, man. I mean, they had two penalties. They were plus three in um Wow, yeah. Internal margin. Yeah. Um, you know, Cooper Rush, I don't think I think this was understated too, because I don't think he threw a pick the entire season nope. and he had three in this game and you know he had cd lamb wide open on that like final sequence there where james bradbury lost his footing and fell over and if he didn't have brandon graham uh you know barreling at him and just about to hit him i don't think he i think he would have got more oomph on that pass and it wouldn't have been picked off you know if he had a clean pocket to just kind of unleash it you know do you think dave gettleman gets a ring if the eagles win it all for letting us have james bradbury as a cap casualty <laughs> Do you think Jeffrey Lurie might just send him like a fake lab diamond in the? Uh, They're good, the man. Hey, this one's for you, Dave. I mean, it's crazy. They just—it seems like everything that they've, uh, everything they've done, they've hit on. I mean, I'm trying to think of a signing that they made this year that hasn't panned out. Yeah, can you I mean, I, I, I know you already knew about him. I'm in love with Kaiser White. In yeah. love with Kaiser White. Know nothing yeah. about the guy. Haven't even heard him speak. But mm. man, him lining up against Ceedee Lamb in coverage and knocking that pass away. He's just everywhere. He is Alex Singleton. If Alex Singleton could actually play ball, uh, it's been a full tough, half. Yeah, I mean, it's been a full half decade since they've had a linebacker group like this. You know, you'd have to go back to the Super Bowl year when they had Bradham and Hicks. Oh. And Hicks got injured, and um, I love the insider trading guy, Michael Kendricks. Yeah, yeah. insider trading. Uh, but they really they haven't. And it was funny too because that Super Bowl year, because you remember Hicks went down, mm-hmm. and then they had like Najee Bradham beat up. Beat Other up a people. cabana boy. Yeah. 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 Punch and punch the cabana boy. Listen, the you could beat right? up as many cabana boys in this city as you want yeah. to, as long as you bring a, t- a title to the, uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll tell you That's that. Exactly right. Exactly um, right. and here's, I like Brian's, I like Brian Smith's comment. Can't wait for the wrinkle off of the QB sneak. You know, that's coming. You know, they're going to line it up in the back and they're going to yeah. think that Jalen's going to go over the middle. Devonte or Kenny, Kenny Gainwell off the end. That'd be actually awesome. Rush Joy has made three good points so far in this podcast. Right. Maybe we'll have him on the show at some point. Uh, not Listen, I can send him the I can send him the link if he wants to join. No, oh, I don't know. I think we're running out of time here, aren't we? No. <laughs> um, 
not that it's a failure, says Rush Joy, but uh, it's is it surprising that Nicobe Dean hasn't even made it onto the field? I mean, yeah, that's another that thing we haven't. Even- that was a thing, though. There was always yeah. there was there was a couple. If you, I think it was John McMullen who said he might have said it on this podcast where it was like Nicobe Dean might not get on the field for the first eight to nine weeks. Yeah. He might not start for the first eight to nine weeks, and I think and I think a lot of people saw that he fell and they saw that he was playing through the. Uh, what was it, the torn pec or the torn biceps injury? I forget what it was. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people were like this. And remember after the uh, after the national championship game, everyone was like, "This Nicobe Dean, he's a QB of the of the yeah. defense." Yeah. He's, you know, there was that there was that uh, there was that video where he they almost gave up a touchdown to Bama. He said something to his guy, and then this guy made the play the uh, the next the next uh, the next play, and yeah. they're like, "Look at this, look at this QB." And I think he was getting mocked to like twenty first in the NFL uh, in the first round for the NFL yeah. draft, and yeah. then he, you know, tested, and we found out about the injury, and that's when he started falling. And he probably he went too late, but he didn't go as late as I think some people think he went. No, and the other thing too that I don't think people are talking about a lot is that the. It's not even really Kaiser White that's that's blocking him so much as TJ Edwards, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they for as much as you talk about Gardner Johnson and Slay and Bradbury mm-hmm. and Hassan Reddick and all these like bigger name guys that they've had in the pipeline or that they recently signed, you know, two of the eleven starters that they have on that defense are guys who came from in-house, kind of unheralded, and then took the next step. Mm-hmm. You know, Marcus Epps making big plays out there too. Yeah. Marcus Epps and TJ Edwards, who two years ago, if you asked any Eagles fan, like, hey, are they, they going to be part of the defense for a for a six and O team? Probably, so no. You know, they probably would have looked at you like you were crazy, and you know, they would have done the dog thing, like, oh. But um, <laughs> I mean, so that's that's and that's like that's important, man, because you got you got to hit on all these like uh, these different avenues of of player development. You know, I mean, you have free agency, you have the draft. You know, you have like mm-hmm. var, var, Jordan. I mean, they got Jordan Mailata in the seventh round uh, through and, and, and now you have like the foreign player pipeline, whatever the hell rule that, is. you know? So it's like, try to take advantage of all these things and, and, and work all these guys into the system based on that. And they've, they've kind of hit on, on, on everything, you know, it's a luxury that you have Nicobe Dean and he hasn't, hasn't even really played much, much at all. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that uh, there's much to be, to be worried about. We can always go to the third quarter thing. I think like, Nick Sirianni made a good point when he was talking about this, where it's it's you know it's not even really about replicating in the second half what you do in the first half because nobody in their right mind would think that they're going to go they go twenty to three into halftime. Nobody thinks that they're going to outscore them twenty to three again in the second half. Nobody thinks that the Eagles are going to win forty to six. Right? It doesn't it doesn't really happen that way. So like what what does we have to frame the second half thing a little bit better? Like what does a, a better second half mean? Does it mean staying aggressive? Is it an intangible thing where these guys just switch off in the locker room? You know, I think a lot of times it's hard to quantify, but I think what ha- I think what I'm seeing defensively too, they get a little complacent and passive. They're not tackling as well. I think Jonathan Gannon gets a little conservative on that first drive coming out of the third quarter because the other team that's losing is going to make the first adjustment. You know, if you're beating a team 20 to 3, what adjustment is there to make? Really, many. you know what I'm saying? So you're kind of waiting for them to make the first move and then you're responding to that move. You're adjust, you are adjusting to the adjustment. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't know how you do that better other than try to do it faster. Like is that what you would, here's what they're doing and like make your, make your move quicker. You know, so. is that what you would equate the uh, Russian defense kind of having a tough time the last two weeks to them? Like, I don't know. What would you really equate to that? 
I don't know, man. It's hard. I don't, I think that they just, you know, if you looked at that big, long third quarter drive that Dallas put together when they got their second score, I mean, the Eagles had him in like second and 14. They had him in second and nine. They had him in second and nine again. To me, it was more like individual stuff and tackling and just, just not being able to get to the quarterback. I give Dallas a little bit of credit too, because, you know, Kellen Moore was, was, moving Cooper Rush a little bit, some bootleg, some play action, kind of getting him out of the pocket and, and trying to do some different things. But then if you're Jonathan Gannon, it's like, okay, I see what they're doing here. Now we got to make make our counter to their counter mm-hmm. maybe a little quicker. And, and it would help if the offense could stay on the damn field too, you know, because, you know, yeah. time of possession in that third quarter was like mostly mostly all Cowboys, you know. So I don't really know. I just I think that people need to. We had this argument, man. It was funny because it felt like every time we watched Brett Brown's Sixers teams, like they would go up by like twenty points, and then they'd start to blow the lead. Right? You can say about Doc Rivers, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but it would be naive. Wouldn't it be naive pagans to think like that they're just gonna just keep piling on and win by forty every every game? Like obviously it would be, team. but you would like to see people. You you would like to see this, and I think that's what the two thousand seventeen team had a little bit. They never really took their foot off the gas. Like I'm I'm trying to remember. Like there was that there was that Broncos team that they put fifty up on. There was that Bears team that was good on Monday night or Sunday yeah. night. I forget what it was that they beat the piss out of yeah. and stuff. They, they did. They did. You'd want to see teams like, you know, the Chiefs and the Bills who will put their foot on your throat and not let you get up. Yeah. Um, me, now, me, there's a lot of other things that happen, like, you know, the injuries and stuff. And you know, that was a big part of it. Michael Parsons coming on block checks or not Jack stole, but Jack Driscoll has yeah. no answer for that. That was a. Uh, let me pull up this thing. Let me pull up what I found on on Sport Radar earlier today. So the the um because if you're looking for more nuance in the second half, like who's who's to blame more, uh, the Eagles' offense is ranked 30th in the second half with 35 points scored, uh, and the defense is ranked 18th with 57 allowed. So it's you know they're both bottom bottom half performing units in the second half, but the offense is almost in the in the very cellar the you know, bottom of the cellar there 30th there's only two teams that are scoring fewer points so I, I think it would give this is where i think i'm at with the eagles in the second half i think the defense is slow to adjust but i think the offense is not helping them to adjust because they're coming out and they're they're having these three and outs you know and four and four and outs or five and outs or whatever and because the defense is spending so much time on the field in the third quarter i think it makes the implementation of that counter measure a little slower and a little harder to do. You know, if the offense could come back with a sustained drive in the third quarter, defensive coaches are looking at it and saying, okay, here's what they're doing. Relay that information to Jonathan Gannon and then to the players. I think it would look different. So I don't, I don't think that the offense is, is doing enough to help the defense uh, in the third quarter, get off, get off the field and, and, you know, do something in time of possession, but the defense can help them themselves, of course, with just tackling better and just, coming out with more energy and not, not, not throttling down to second gear, you know, when you've been in fourth or fifth gear the entire game. Um, anything on the uh, Matisse Dibel? No, uh, no contract extension. Yeah. You know, I'm not really sure how to, you know, I feel like that gets combined into like a Isaiah Joe take at the same time, mm-hmm. like lumped into like more of a thing here. Cause he went out and signed a, for, three years with the six thunder million, for right? six million. There's it was all guaranteed one. in the first. Yeah. Yeah. It's guaranteed. It's in the first year, but, but I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that like, if you looked at what Matisse was last year, his offensive game just hasn't really developed into anything more. You know, he's shoot, shown some nice 
moments as a slasher and an off ball mover, you know, but like all he really has to do is be a 35% three point shooter. And that's, and he's got a role in the NBA for years, you know, but you look at what they are this year, man, they're, they're an older team with, with solid pieces, one through eight, you know? So if people are, you know, Matisse Thibel and your Isaiah Joes and your, you know, Furkan Korkmaz, like they probably weren't going to figure too much into the playoffs once you got there anyway, because your rotation is going to be seven or eight. So beyond let, let's, let's do the exercise, man. Embiid, Harris, mm-hmm. Harden, PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker, Tyrese Maxey. You got Melton house off the bench. I mean, there's your, there's seven right there, you know? So, uh, you know, if you're going eight, I mean, to shake Milton, have himself a year, you know, could be Paul, because they have so many, I feel like they have so many guys that are such, uh, that are, that are defenders that like shake Milton will yeah. actually, this is, this should be like a shake Milton year because like they're going to need offense off the bench. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless they stagger James Harden into the second units and make him like the primary ball handler, unless you want Milton to, to do that too, you know I mean? And then you have to think about, you know, the Paul Reed, Montrez Harrell thing. Right. And so you're looking yeah. at nine there. There's nine guys in a rotation. It's fine for the regular season. You know, go 10, 11 if you have to. Um, but then you can make an argument too that behind Embiid, like just play small, man. I got, you got three guys from that Rockets team that played like five out. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can do a lot of fake five with like PJ Tucker and, you know, go small and just shoot three pointers when Joel Embiid's off the floor. So I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I like Matisse and like you want to see him develop and, and, you know, be a part of it. But, they're going for a championship, man. They got a bunch of older dudes, and it's, you know, I, th- I think it just kind of it is it is what it is. That's why Isaiah, a guy like Isaiah Joe ends up on the rebuilding Thunder, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. What do you think about this? Yankees game got rained out last last night. Game moved to four o'clock today. So obviously, like it's a little different from you know going to a seven o'clock game to a four o'clock game. People do have to work and everything. Yeah. Yankees fans or Yankees uh, not I, refunding tickets. So they're not refunding tickets. They're not refunding tickets. I don't know, man. It's a play, play. So, what do you do? Just call out of work? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, but Extended we have different jobs. Of people who who yeah. work, you know, who might work at a truck or, or work at a, a yeah. fast food joint. Uh, if yeah. people have you know white collar jobs and corporate jobs, yeah, maybe you can get out of that. But <laughs> I mean, the bleacher yeah, creatures. Um, some some are telling me bleacher creatures aren't really accountants and lawyers, you know. No, no, that's that's certainly true. I mean, like, and your Bernie Madoff types who sit in the front row are always going to be. My, my favorite thing from the week from the weekend, from the Phillies thing over the weekend was the cell phone lady when Reese Hoskins crushed what what was probably the most iconic home run Phillies home run of the last mm-hmm. ten years. Uh, this lady was it Don be... Brown <laughs> in the month of June or July? Um, Don Brown. Oh man, that was a blast from the past. No, this lady just could not could not, not even be bothered to get no. up from her phone, you know. Probably it's, some uh it's so funny you say that because well, we know aunt, we found out who she was, but we didn't out her. So. My aunt reached out to me and she's like, she thought I was at the game. She goes, Can you walk over to the diamond seats and can you tell that woman who's on her phone to get to to get her face out of her phone. It's like they're not even interested back there. She's not wrong. But like then again, like could you imagine if you put like your your 400 level crowd or your 300 level crowd back there? I mean, there's a reason why they're there. They're back there. They have all the money, they have all the connections and everything. But it is. I mean, they we we need better. You know how we have like the six man? You know, we yeah. don't, you don't ever know what the six man's going to do. You no. know, we have Meek Mill, you have Michael Rubin and everything. Those yeah. guys are like, you know, cool guys that'll get into it and everything. People behind the Phillies, Doug, uh, Phillies home plate suck. 
Like never. Like there's always that one old guy who's kind of bald. He doesn't yeah. react to anything. He's always the constant there. You had the woman, obviously Reese Reese Hoskins over on. She doesn't say it. Yeah. Can we get some exciting people back there? There was that one guy who uh, earlier in the season he he ate a hot dog. He just took the whole hot dog. Yeah. He tweeted out like, "Hey, in the fourth inning, I'm gonna devour this hot dog." Took the hot yeah. dog one bite, and that was the most fun I've had from the people behind the behind the home plate. But the home they plate should stinks. let them. Yeah, they should let the mongrels into those seats. You know, like That'd let be awesome. Let the, let the uh, you remember know. Cr- remember Craig Krimble came and all the mongrels on the behind the dugout were doing the uh, the, yeah. Cra- the Craig Krimble thing. Like that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was yeah, so exactly. Cool. Now you got like cell phone lady probably scheduling her uh, her next Botox appointment. You know, while Reese is spiking the bat into the ground. Think about all the viral moments we had just in a seventy-two hour stretch, though. You had the fan running out of the tunnel with the Eagles. You had the Reese Hoskins bat spike. Right, you had Segura jumping ten feet into the air. Did we ever figure out if he jumped off the railing or not? Yeah. Can can we just can we stop with the jumping? <laughs> Stay grounded, people. Did you see what happened to David Robertson? Gee, yeah. we're gonna need yeah. you in the NLCS, baby. Yes, yeah, exactly. Phone lady was oblivious. You had uh, uh, Ian so, Rappaport complaining oh. about the, the the Braves and the Phillies, salty Mets fan. You had uh, the team going out to Xfinity. That was awesome. after the game, right? You had. Uh, Eight more wins, topper, right? Okay, mm-hmm. then the no fuck champagne. you, no fuck yeah this time. Maybe the yeah, SEC, yeah. maybe maybe the Phillies came back and said, "Hey, NBC can't afford the SEC violations anymore." You know, you know what story did did like amazing views and was still going strong like three days later was the um, the uh, uh, put put uh, put the camera on Phillies fans at your own risk. Oh, right? so yeah. I know that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's a friend of my girlfriend's. And my buddy sent it to me and he was like, go to, go to a minute 30. And my buddy's sitting next to him. And that's his friend. Who's a nice mustache. Pussy. <laughs> that did like a shit ton of views. Uh, what else? What am I missing? Oh, Keith Hernandez coming out and saying that he's cheering for the, uh, the Phillies now. Uh, the Braves radio guy disgusted with Ronald Acuna Jr. for being lazy <laughs> in, the, in the in the you know in uh, right field there. Yeah. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. not the greatest. Not the greatest what did I just rip off like eight in a row here? Meek yeah, Mill, you didn't even get the Nick Sirianni. How about them boys? The Meek yeah. Mill coming out performing Dreams and Nightmares that might not even have made the top ten from the weekend, which is insane. <laughs> No, we didn't. And we didn't even do. We didn't even put on the site yet. I didn't even get around to this yet. Putting the video of Jill Biden getting booed. Booed to oblivion. (laughs) Dude, whoever made that call, what are you thinking? You have the whitest, most Delco, most Northeast faction of Eagles fan base. Guys that have been in the fucking stadium since Franklin Field, seven generations of Eagles fans. Who the hell signed off on Jill Biden leading leading a fly Eagles fly champ? They, they, uh, well, and I remember too, it's funny because Palin, and Sarah Palin got booed by Flyers fans yeah. when they introduced her as like a hockey. I don't even think it's a political of- thing. I think it's just if you see idiots, you just boo them. Like people are not happy yeah. with, they weren't, weren't happy with Palin and they're not happy yeah. with Biden right now. So, yeah. like, what are you doing? But even then, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't think it was even a partisan thing because they've, they, they have booed, uh, Democrats, they have booed Republicans. Uh, Biden came to the, uh, Philadelphia Union season home opener franchise opener at the link and slowed everybody up because the Secret Service was there checking everybody. Everybody got to their seats late. Hey, I mean, he probably got booed. Well, I, yeah. I, 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 but it's funny. I would actually like to know if there's a time where a politician got cheers. So I'll, uh, so Army Navy when Trump was there, I was, I was at that game. He got uh, a, oh, a rounding. 
okay a, a, a rounding right. applause that's an um, inch that's a unique one because there's yeah a, there's a, a nationalism and a patriotism that's like part of the game itself but i'm trying to think of uh yeah i can't remember any other because yeah, donald because trump remember? got booted uh at the mma event he went to i remember that he got he got booed to just like joe biden got booed he was pretty tight yeah i think he was tight with dana white for a while yeah um, he's yeah because i think in like the early part of the pandemic you know, uh, UFC, UFC was one of the first sports to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, that was crazy, man. Because I didn't, I don't think that was on the, the Jill Biden thing was not on TV. No, so and they would have never, and they were, clip. they would have never put it on TV. But it's funny because, no. like, what? Because no. someone was like texting us and being like, "Yeah, Jill Biden just got booed to the moon here." It's just um, funny. It's funny from an optics perspective, man. Like, not to yeah. get too deep into the politics, but Philly is like one of the most blue cities on the planet, and Jill yeah. Biden is local, and she's an Eagles fan, and she still gets booed. Yeah. You know, so like, I don't know if like Fox News was did anything with it or whatever, but they should have if they people if they, don't like politicians like people just don't like them. Like we 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 never liked politicians when we were in seventh yeah. grade and we had to vote for the treasurer and he promised us free shit out of the vending machine and, and never and, and never came. Yeah, and we got nothing on that or free dress down days when you're in Catholic school for like life. And I was yeah. like, you're a liar. Like yeah. we, we, we have it all ingrained in us that we were lied to from an early age. One thing I wanted to uh, talk to you about was. um we didn't talk about it much was uh the guy who came out in the tunnel uh with the eagles yeah so listen i'm not blaming don DeSandro. he's got enough to figure out he's got 53 men and a coaching staff to worry about it's it, it looked like a make-a-wish kid it looked like one of those vip experiences that they auctioned off for the eagles now if that kid gets to the 50 yard line i think you should at least let him be the honorary captain before you drag him off i'm just saying <laughs> I like too how Big Dom is never um as we play the video here. I like how Big Dom too always kind of comes in at the end. Yeah, look at him yeah. swinging the hat around. Like, <laughs> there you go, there he goes. Oh yeah. Big, Big Dom is it's like the Spadaro video. Big Dom's not there at the start, yeah. but he's there to clean up the mess. Yeah, and he, he always gives the one like final a, push. There he is. He always gets a hand on somebody. Yeah, yep. get him out of here. Yeah. That's how, he earned, earned your paycheck. He earned your game check that he night. He was in the video too. Big Dom was in the video of Nick Sirianni going ape shit on the sidelines mm-hmm. because you know he walks out to uh he walks out with him at the end of the game when they do the handshake and all the photographers are on the field or whatever. So he's like his personal bodyguard at that point. But yeah, I like how Big Dom never actually physically like lifts anybody up and removes them. He like because he can't be everywhere at once, but like some security guard gets him and then he comes over to direct him. You know, he's like the even the uh, even the Eagles fan who got into the press conference with Doug Peterson. He was very nice about that one, too. He's a gentle giant. Yeah, he's like but you he's one of those go. guys. He's you one of those guys go. that like you wouldn't want to piss off, though, because you don't want to you don't want to see Dom get the 10. If we could Dom ever convince if we seven. could ever convince Big Dom to come on the show. Um, Big Dom will be like our new Joe Cordell. We'll spend five years trying to get him booked on the crossing broadcast. I would ask him, like, what happens to these guys after they're removed? Like, so when they go off the camera, you remove the guy from the press conference. He's in the hallway now. You, you got to think. Beat, do you beat his ass? Like, when nobody's looking. <laughs> <laughs> Make him remember yeah, do, you. Do you rough him up a little bit before, you know, or is he just like escorted out of the stadium? Like, do you, th- do you throw him out of the. So you got to think his tickets are now revoked, which. When you get banned from a stadium, it's more of an ask than yeah. an order. So it's just like God, it's like don't do anything stupid to yeah. get caught again, or then you get um, yeah. you get charged with with trespassing. Yeah, I, I'm sure the Russell Westbrook popcorn guy has been back to a game or two since. Oh yeah, Richard uh, Richard Harkaway, the urologist, the double bird. Oh, the double bird guy. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. he. I mean yeah. Are I mean, we thinking about rather- the same Russell Westbrook guy? 
No, the Russell Westbrook guy who poured the popcorn on oh, him in the, the, in the playoffs. The yeah, popcorn. popcorn. I'm sorry, there are multiple Philly fans. Remember that was that, a, have... that was a huge stink there have, for like yeah. 48 hours, and like there are, back there, on, are, like, there are multiple Philadelphia fans who have done things to Russell Westbrook. I, I got to get them all straightened out here. You know, um, listen. Would you rather have the double bird guy, or would you rather have David Kelleher falling asleep right off the court? <laughs> I would rather have double bird guy. I'll tell you that. They should have put David Kelleher uh, in the seat where the cell phone lady was during the Reese Hoskins bomb. I mean, what's the worst thing he's going to do? Take a snooze? <laughs> no, they should put David Kelleher up in the 400 so that nobody bothers him why he wants to take a nap. That's right. Yeah. Poor guy, man. I mean, he's never going to. Poor guy. He was hammered out of his ass and he tried to put, he tried to put, he tried to tell Dave Urim from, uh, from KYW that he was, that he didn't have one drink. And then there was a, a second yeah. video, a second shooter. Yeah. And he's, he's flopping all over the place, sliding all over the place. Like he was hammered. That was hammered. pretty good. He what tried to he tried to squirm his way out of that. You're yeah, a fucking yeah. you're a fucking car dealer in yeah. Westchester. I if you're not yeah. hammered twenty four seven, I would say yeah. you're a bad car dealer. You kind of have to be. You have to have some like innate ball mentality too. Scumbaggery yeah. to to be a car dealer. Fuck yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, I know. Yeah, new new or used, you know. Um, uh, no, these, I just, go ahead. No, uh, Russ is saying that the Benadryl hits hits different. Yeah, I'm sure it was just allergies yeah, that he had, which is why he fell asleep. Allergies. You know. Um, but, so Dave uh, was at the game too, and he missed the Reese home run because he was on his phone tweeting for CB. What yeah. a sacrificial lamb that guy is, man. Well, let's wrap this up with uh, Dave wants to do NLCS MVP odds. Okay. Um, yeah. So what do you what do you got? I'm you? gonna go. We got we got numbers on Brandon Marsh. Nothing on Brandon Marsh. Um. I'm going to go. I like JT Real Muto 13 to 1. I think that's a very sweet, very juicy hmm. uh, pick right there. Bryce Harper, obviously 7 to 1. Manny Machado, 10 to 1. Juan Soto, 10 to 1. JT, 13 to 1. Schwarbs, 13 to 1. Reese Hoskins, 13 to 1. If you could find some Brandon Marsh props out there for NLCS MVP, who would have won it, you think, in the NLDS? Bryce? Two home runs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Reese no had enough. Reese had a couple bonehead defensive play. I mean, he was never going to, his defense is always going to keep him out mm-hmm. from, from, you know, from, from winning it, you know, but JT had a good series. I mean, I guess they would get a good series, Harper, you know, yeah. JT had a good series. Yeah. You they're probably never gonna the give, they're never going to give it to a pitcher. Well, I mean, I guess now they can, cause they're going to pitch, you know, at least twice in the series, you would think, you know, but yeah, that's, that's weird too. Just cause the funkiness of like finally getting the seven there games. Now. So what do make we got Make that a little, uh, a little zoomed in there, big dog. There you go. Aaron Nola, Mr. October, 14 to 1. Wheels, 14 to 1. Cassiano, 16 to 1. I would have I would have felt a lot better about that if it was uh if Cassiano's kept going after his uh game one and, and, and game two. Um yeah, we got they, Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh 210 to 1. Listen, I'm not saying Brandon Marsh is gonna win NLCS MVP, but you're an idiot if you don't put at least a dollar, maybe five dollars on that. Pay for Christmas. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not exactly. I, I I didn't watch too much of San Diego yet, but like you know, Soto has. <clears throat> I think he's got like three RBI. He doesn't have any home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they struggled. I mean, that the top I, of the lineup was struggling. They've struggled against Nola too uh, all time. Like the yeah. Phillies own San Diego. They own Petco Park. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. You know, you're, you're not getting like Machado or Soto. Like Machado's have. I'll ask you this: Does does Machado worry you as much as Matt Olson worried you? Matt Olson scared the shit out of me. Austin Riley scared the shit out of me. Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado scared the shit out of me when they came up. I don't get scared by 
by Juan Soto and, and Manny Machado. I feel like Juan Soto, I can't think of one big moment he's had off of against the Phillies. Well, Machado, if I remember, I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head as I like frantically Google game log here, but I think Machado had like a bunch of RBI in the Mets series. I think he, I think he actually knocked in a run in every single game, but they, they weren't like, they didn't blow out the Dodgers in any of their, their wins. You know, I think he had two. Okay. So I got to pull it up now. He had two RBI in, uh, in the in the one five to three win, but you know he had one two three four five hits in four games. Okay, so Machado Machado is hitting the ball better than Soto is right now, but you know they beat the Dodgers five to three, two to one, and five to three. So you know it's not it's not like they were exactly lighting the world on fire. You know they scored six and seven and three against the Mets. So you know I mean you look at the lineup on paper and like you would you would you know, take, take all the, take all of the, the context away from me. You'd be like, Oh, Soto Machado, you know, whatever. And um, you, you'd think some, something differently of it, you know, but I mean like Tatis is suspended and it's like, they yeah. were a five seed and it's like, okay, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I know. I mean, you don't, you know, if you want to crown the Padres, then crown, crown their asses yeah. here. Listen, I'll tell you right now, Padres or no Phillies, Phillies in four. And then because of this video, I'm about to pull up Okay, if I can. Okay. No, I can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, Dave, you could pull up the video that we just put up on Crossing Broad of the Padres fans, and then you can come on here and we can listen to it because it looks like it's the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Give us a preview oh, here. Here we go. Gonna, gonna see. Goose, that's what's in. Oh, no, we lost. Bryce's going to lose and Manny's going to cruise. That's what's in. <laughs> Give Philly no slack and send them back. That's what's in Philly going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. What the fuck? Loose. Wow, that's, that's terrible. Goose. That's what's in. It's like a bad off-Broadway uh, musical. Just, just seven guys from San Diego got to think that they're... I think one guy's got a, a Giants hat in the back or a Mets hat in the back. Um just got to think, you know, Phillies and four right there. That was like seven dudes who definitely have, you know, definitely probably just got off the Navy base and are singing about a rally goose. Here's the, here's the, here's the thing though. Um, I know San Diego is on the other side of the country. I've never met a San Diego Padres fan. No. Have you? No, no, no. Beautiful city though, by the way. Oh, great. SeaWorld was very, awesome. I don't think very it's there expensive, anymore. very expensive, but uh, maybe in another lifetime I'll live there. But I know I've never met a Padres fan. It's it's impossible for me to hate the Padres. I don't I don't I don't know any of their fans. They're not a rival. I mean, they don't have any. I mean, Machado is whatever. I don't hate Tatis was. I mean, you would see the Tatis jerseys just yeah. randomly all yeah. around the city when he came here. In uh, I think he came here earlier in the season. Like it was a big deal. Well, two People years were, ago when Tatis was was spitting all over the unwritten rules of baseball, I considered myself <laughs> a big fan of his. But now that now things have changed, obviously a little differently. So you know, it's, so. But I mean, they got some pitching. You know, I mean, they got Darvish, they got Snell, they got uh, the guy who puts the shit on his ears. You know, so Musgrove. You know, I don't know. <laughs> no, it'll, be, it'll be it'll be great. Team, but I'm, we've I'm had not, a lot of like hate hated foes in the last two rounds and this one's going to be you know this is going to be hard to hate but we'll find it we'll find a way yeah exactly i mean the cardinals there's an angle the, the revenge thing from 10 years ago the braves were a division rival the padres is like you know revenge it's, it's, for Bryce, it's, i guess it's so similar to when the flyers played the canadians you know 10 years ago because it was like what now you know such a strange conference final but 
hey man, I'm all about it, you know. So who do you want to throw out the first pitch for game three? Pat Burl. You already threw it out for game four. Pat Burl. You just want Pat Burl just ride ride the Pat Burl wave for the rest of the <laughs> yeah, season. Yeah, man. If it ain't broke, you know. That'd be a funny uh, bit. They're just this like, is actually good. Dave Dave says uh, his pick for the game three first pitch is the the, the construction worker who greeted Manny Machado in 2018. Yeah. He was actually an electrician. Yeah, he was Mac, an electrician. Oh, was he? Yeah, Tom Tom Cudero who asked well, uh, Manny Machado to do the right thing and sign. <laughs> Matt Klentek opening the door and be like, because <laughs> fucking Manny Machado had to sit out there for like two minutes yeah. as yeah. like. Yeah, cameras and shit are all around him, and, and don't worry about this guy. Him. Yeah, he's with yeah. IB, IBEW local yeah. 700. And Matt Klentak opens the door, be like, Oh, hey, Manny, I forgot that we had you scheduled on here. Like, you went to like a job interview, and like they forgot that they, they scheduled you on like a random Tuesday. And like, yeah, hey, there's your storyline, right? Okay, uh, the two guys that the one of uh, one of the Phillies had to sign at least one of them, or else the offseason was a failure, are now meeting in the NLCS with their new mm-hmm. teams. So there's your storyline, you know. Yep. Nola brothers. Oh, Bryce Nola getting brother. revenge. Yeah. Yep. Not the Mayton brothers, though, because the other one broke his hand. Yeah. Yeah. That, that won't be a World Series. Uh, he, he pulled his duo. Brett Myers should throw it, says Ryan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> throwing, throwing hands or throwing baseballs. <laughs> All right. That's the podcast. That's the broadcast for today. I am your host, Kyle Payne. Thank you to Kevin Kincaid. Thank you to Dave behind on the ones and twos. Uh, We will talk to you on Thursday, uh, hopefully when the Phils are 2-0 in the series. Talk to you then.